Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Diana Furkoff-Ross, she is a regular on the program, a personal favorite, a show favorite, an economist, uh, uh, for in uh, senior positions um, in uh, the White House, as well as with government agencies, uh, really a thought leader when it comes to economics and energy. Uh, Diana, I always love having you on. Um, got an interesting topic lined up for us today about uh, what we're learning about uh, fossil fuel math and, and what's been going on in terms of what apparently can be, you know, probably best described as a distortion in terms of information that, uh, that we have seen historically about the wonders of electric and the realities around uh, the presentation of fossil fuel. And so we're going to hop into a moment before you do that, talk a little bit about your work over at Heritage and it's heritage.org uh, before we get into our topic. Uh, yes, well, thanks very much, Kevin. It's an honor to be on your show. And I'm director of the Center for Energy, Climate, and Environment at the Heritage Foundation. And we take a realistic look at what people want in terms of lower electricity bills, they want gasoline powered cars. They don't want to have to spend a lot of time waiting in line to recharge. And we look at how this will increase GDP and make America stronger and more independent. Yeah, absolutely. The problem, you know, is, is that, uh, you know, you kind of nailed it on, on the uh, head with this uh, recent article that's at National Review, which we'll have a link to over at priceofbusiness.com. Uh, if the IMF cares about people in poverty, it should put as much distance as possible between it and a recent publication. Um, the reality is, is that the uh, left, left has become incredibly elitist. Um, for many years, I used to say there's only two people who could afford liberal progressive policies, and that's the mega rich and the mega poor. Uh, but now it's, <laughs> but now it is getting to the point where even the mega poor can't afford uh, democratic policies. It's bizarre how elitist the uh, Democrats have become, and I think that is uh, captured in energy as much as anything else. You're exactly right, Kevin. And the International Monetary Fund is putting out a series of papers every two years talking about global subsidies for fossil fuels. And the latest came out on August 24th, and they calculate that global subsidies for fossil fuels totaled $7 trillion in 2022. The previous paper, two years previously, said global subsidies totaled $6 trillion uh, back in 2020. And this is a fundamentally flawed figure. But the problem is people are using it. It's being reported in Reuters, Radio Free Asia. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse loves this figure. And then what he does is, and other people, they use it to argue for a carbon tax and for using less fossil fuels and more renewables. But there's so many things mm. wrong with this study, including that it is not even an IMF study. It's a working paper it hasn't been peer-reviewed, and it has a disclaimer on the front uh, that says the views are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the views of the International Monetary Fund. Yet this is garnering headlines as an IMF study showing that we are using too many fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's the old... Uh, uh, 
Mark Twain, there's lies, damnable lies and statistics, and it seems to be oozing from this particular study, the latter. <laughs> right. Well, only about 20% of these subsidies are real subsidies, like what you might call tax credits. And then the rest, the other 80%, are just intangibles. What they say is, by using these fossil fuels, that in the future there'll be more air pollution, people will be ill, they'll be sick, they'll suffer from asthma, there'll be more traffic congestion. They even say, Kevin, there'll be more traffic congestion, even though the left wants to replace gasoline-powered cars with electric vehicles. Well, let me tell you, a road full of electric vehicles causes as much traffic congestion as a road full of gasoline-powered vehicles. doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Now, and one of the big incongruities, in my opinion, when I look at the situation, it's like the elephant in the room that no one discusses. Uh, as you know, I, uh, our show is out of, out of Texas, and uh, here in Texas, uh, we have a grid situation that's at best fragile. Uh, we had many days where our electricity uh, grid uh, shut down a couple of years ago due to bad weather. And uh, we are in daily alerts here in Texas about, you know, please cut back on your electricity, which we've had, I think, 45 days of 100-degree-plus weather, 80% humidity. Good luck getting people to cut back on their AC. And so we all kind of live precariously here. Yet they want to move this already fragile grid to not only supporting all of our homes, but also supporting cars. I mean, it's bizarre. And then you look at California. California, the exact same vein, you know, celebrating that uh, they're going to get rid of fossil fuel-driven cars by 2030. Uh, you know, the U.S. government uh, intention is, uh, and, and they're so excited about that. And by the way, don't charge your car because the card, because uh, we don't have the uh, grid to support that. It is really beyond, it's, it's dystopian in a ludicrous way. It certainly is. And in California, they're even talking about something called bi-directional charging. They're saying that after 2030, all cars sold in California have to have the ability to suck the electricity from your electric vehicle, from the battery, and give it back to the grid. So you don't even own the energy that's in your electric battery. The reason is that they say these will be mini generators. So when there's a power cut, their idea is you just plug your F-150 into, the, into your home outlet and you run your house off your electric battery. Wow, it's incredible. It's incredible to, to uh, even imagine. Another elephant in the room, there's a lot of elephants in this room, I know, uh, is China. I think China is one, one of the worst environmental monsters out there. They're taking every shortcut manageable in its quest for electric energy and uh, doing things that we as a country have essentially prohibited for decades when it comes to the environmental fraud. But it's like we'll get our poisoned energy from China. Uh, we'll do it here ourselves. I mean, it's really ridiculous again. It really is. And, you know, I've never seen a European-made electric battery for an EV. I've never seen an American-made one. They are all coming from China. So this move to force EVs on the American public benefits China. 
and it hurts America, especially people in Texas who do such a good job with getting this oil out of the ground and refining it into products that we need and that we use every day. We're energy independent with our oil and natural gas and they want us to be dependent on China, which is not friendly to us, which subsidizes labor by using forced labor in Xinjiang and extra low wage rates and child workers, subsidizes energy by having no regulations and building two new coal-fired power plants a week, and it subsidizes labor by giving favored companies extra low interest rates. Yes. Crony capitalism, uh, slavery, it literally is like slavery. Um, you know, the Smith Holiday Tariff Act, as you well know, was a disaster on so many levels. But one of the provisions in that act is that the United States would not import goods made by slave labor. But we do that routinely with China, and that's one Smith Holiday Tariff Act that's never changed. Exactly. And where are these human rights people when we need them? I mean, these environmentalists. They want to shut off our oil and natural gas, but they don't mind mining in Africa, in Latin America, tearing up that ground. And Mark Mills at the Manhattan Institute, my friend, has calculated that for every electric battery, you need to move 500,000 pounds of earth to get at those rare minerals that go into the electric battery, the lithium, the graphite, the nickel, the copper. Yeah, absolutely. Anna Perkoff Ross, she's our guest. She is uh, an economist. Uh, always love having you on the program. Anna, so talk about from a public policy perspective. Obviously, this is disconcerting. It is alarming. It's, you know, typical of the federal government, um, and not just federal government, this is on a global level, right? It, it's, it's, uh, the joy of OPM, other people's money. <laughs> and, and government does it all the time, choosing Losers, and more often than not, it seems like uh, they subsidize winners without consequence because of the fact it's done through the coercion of government. This has that written all over that. It certainly does. And the uh, paper by the International Monetary Fund that talks about fossil fuel studies doesn't include any subsidies for renewables, electric vehicles, battery plants. And the United States is going to spend at least $1.3 on these subsidies over the next 10 years. And the European Union, different countries there are going to be spending even more. So here the International Monetary Fund decries fossil fuel subsidies without mentioning the benefits from fossil fuels or without mentioning the subsidies from renewables. It's really hypocritical. And some of these countries that come in with zero subsidies let me give you one example, is the Central African Republic, which has no subsidies, no intangible subsidies, no explicit subsidies, but of its population of 6 million, 71% live below the poverty line of $1.90 per day. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. As we begin to wrap it up, uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit from, from a public policy perspective, some approaches you'd like to see, things that you've seen as work and those type of uh, things. Because let's face it, when it comes to public policy, it's really easy. Uh, it's low-hanging fruit to find things wrong with the way we're doing things, but it's hard to come up with answers, particularly answers that uh, can get bipartisan support and uh, are incredibly political environment. So talk a little bit, though, about solutions as we begin to wrap it up. 
Well, I think the obvious solution is to let people choose what kind of appliances they want and what kind of cars they want and not to force industrial policy on them. Here at Heritage, we're pro-choice. We think people should be able to buy an electric stove or a natural gas stove, an electric vehicle, a hybrid or a gasoline-powered car, a dishwasher that uses a lot of water or one that uses a little bit of water. And this is not where industrial policy is going or the Biden administration today. Uh, they want to put regulations and costs on a lot of different cars and appliances to force us into electric vehicles, to force us into electric stoves. And I think number one public policy issue should be to roll back some of these mandates, roll back some of these rules, and let people choose what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, are you seeing glimmers of hope of that possibly happening? There's plenty in Congress that would like more of that, but this administration seems to have its heels dug in. You know, I looked at the 2030 deadline for uh, all car, new car sold being electric, which blows my mind when I hear that. Uh, and, and I look at the power grid realities and all the other economic realities. The fantasy world, I don't see any of that happening. And I, I will not be surprised if that becomes a referendum issue, if uh, not in 2024, certainly in 2028, as Americans begin looking at, at the possibility of uh, there not being new uh, gas cars. That's literally what this administration wants. Um, but, but talk about those political realities, because unfortunately all the best ideas are often held hostage by politics. I think 2028 will be too late, and this should be a big issue in 2024. By 2028, uh, a lot of these factories will have been built. They'll be losing money because people don't want to buy the electric vehicles. But the biggest change in energy policy, people should know, uh, would be between the Republicans and the Democrats in 2025. If the Republicans get elected, there'll be more oil and natural gas production, uh, more of these leases, fewer uh, or no requirements to buy electric vehicles. And this is what I think most Americans want. I mean, you ask the average suburban mom who has a gas stove that she, and tell her that she has to have an electric stove, she's not going to like that. So I think this appeals to a broad constituency, the ability to choose what you drive, the ability to choose how you cook. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Man, I forgot for off. I always enjoy having you on. She does a great uh, uh, Is it weekly, your column at, uh, at the National Review? Uh, every couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, depends Every what there is right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a link to it over there at uh, com. I always love uh, checking it out. I check out her work. Uh, of course, she's on regularly, so I want to make sure I did my homework before I have someone on like her. Uh, she brings such great information and, and uh, always enjoy my time. I, you know, one of those people that made me feel a little smarter at the end of the segment than I was at the beginning. You're very smart, Kevin, and it's an honor to be on your show. Thanks so much. I'm Kevin Price, the National Syndicated Private Business. Oh, Diana, give your website, your website as well, because you do a lot in addition to your work at heritage.org. Uh, my website's dianafr.com, www.dianafr.com. And almost everything I do can also be found on the Heritage website. Yeah, absolutely. Check them both out. I am Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more after this.